Alright, these bad guys are pretty tough. If we're gonna beat them, we need to access our abilities from across the multiverse. How are we gonna do that? Don't worry, I'll calculate the jump algorithm now. <laughs> oh, awesome. So, uh, what do I have to do to unlock my greatest potential? Well, it seems like for what's about to come up, you're gonna need a lot of patience. Infinite patience. Okay, uh, how do I do that? Well, it says according to the algorithmic calculations, you're going to have to download the full works of a musician Nora Jones. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know if winning this fight's worth it. Hey, hey, get your head in the game. The multiverse depends on it. All right, all right. I'll be right back. All right, what should I do? Well, in order for what's coming up, you're going to need cat-like gymnast reflexes. Oh, perfect. Yes. It says here, all you have to do is sit a single moment in silence without talking. Oh, we're fucked. No, this is really important. You gotta try. Okay, I'll try really hard, but I don't know if I can do it. It's very challenging for me. You have to start already. You gotta start. Oh, God, I hate this. Okay, but what about you? Uh, well, it's quite simple. For what I need in this particular moment, all I have to do is hop up and down on one leg, rub my belly with one hand, and tap my head with the other hand. Well, okay, but what does that get you? Well, if I do all those things, I'll get a Klondike bar. My gosh. Can I talk now? <laughs> It says punching Deirdre. <laughs> I thought you were just gonna say punching deer. I'm like, no! <laughs> Why? Because of the ritual. Deirdre? Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, the IRS agent. You guys better get it on Do this. you know that her name is Deir Deirdre Bo Deirdre? No, really? Yeah. That's wild. Which is Deirdre Beautiful Deirdre. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's nice. They had an early crush on Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, it can no never person. work out, though. We both have the same name. Ah, <laughs> uh, she's pretty hot, so it's. Uh... Yeah, you remember True Lies? I remember True Lies. Yeah, I was thinking <laughs> of that. Yeah, I remember True Lies. <laughs> We're turning into a, a sticky podcast now. Yeah. Woof. Hello, fantasy fans. Are you ready to travel the multiverse? Because this is Swords and Satire. <laughs> The podcast where we turn low fantasy into high art. I'm your dungeon manager, Jamie Mokel. My pronouns are he and him. 
and I am here with my mind-bending co-hosts. Oh, well, I'm Cassidy. My pronouns are they, them. And my mind is blown because while we were talking about all this stuff, I was thinking, Jamie, it, this might be cut, but before <laughs> Jamie introduced us, he accidentally said, hi there, fanny pack. <laughs> it's and- my new uh, term for our fans. <laughs> Our group of fans can be called the Fanny Pack. Oh yes. my fucking god, it's amazing. See, we just created a branching universe right there. That's what's blowing my mind. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, there are other multiverses where we also have podcasts. And what do those fucking look like? <laughs> like, what are our podcasts and you other just, multiverses? You, yeah, you just pulled a concept from a podcast in one of our nearby universes. <laughs> Where we call our fans Fanny Pack. Well, I assume Jack has a Fanny Pack review podcast in one multiverse. Oh my god. I do have three Fanny Packs. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, Cass, let's see. You probably have a podcast. True Crime. <laughs> yeah, True Crime pod, pro, podcast. <laughs> the twist is that you commit the crime. Yeah. Oh, That's nice. how I find out about it. You've got to find new ways to be exciting in uh, podcasting. You I create. think I could be a real Yeah. You do not do not share that with the world. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely cut where you said that. <laughs> I want you to start saying that and then to have it jump to Jamie saying cut where you just said that. <laughs> I can and I can put in static over with yeah. And let's see, what's my multiverse <laughs> podcast? Well, you could do a Castlevania-themed podcast, oh. but that could be this universe. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that's going to be this universe one of these days. Can't wait. I'm like, all these things that are totally podcasts that I want to do. I know. You have a podcast all about Sailor Moon. Ooh. That's Again, sick. feels like one that I would just do, but we'll go with that one. We but you haven't yet, so there's another universe where you are doing it. Of course, it's called the Sailor Cast. Holy shit. <laughs> Well, now we're going to make it happen. No, it is happening. You just burned it. Nice. Yeah. What's up, my crew? But, um, hey, who are Ahoy you? Ahoy there. Yeah, because of the whole sailor thing. Ah, yeah. yes. I, right. I love when Selena says ahoy. Or what is her name? Usagi. Usagi says ahoy. <laughs> Avast, Mr. Mask. <laughs> I will punish you. Arr. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> when she said fuck in episode two, <laughs> the series was never the same. Yeah, that's right. As uh, episode one. <laughs> <laughs> Looking back at my childhood growing up watching a lot of Sailor Moon, it definitely explains how I got to where I am today. <laughs> you do say your gender is magical, girls. I do. Yeah, sometimes. Yes. But uh, who are you? <laughs> oh, me? I'm Jack Olander. My pronouns are uh, anything, everything. All at once? Just for me. Whenever you feel like. (laughs) And it can change. Oh my god, are you, like, sucking all the pronouns into yourself? They're all mine. Like an everything bagel? Yes, that's exactly right. Great, now I'm hungry. (laughs) But you know what I am? I'm actually a version of myself from another universe where I invented the edible car. Oh! Practical and delicious. You drive it to where you gotta go, and then... It, when you when it's lunchtime, you just have a little snack on your vehicle. Yeah, and there's zero waste. 
And you'd think it, it wouldn't be a popular idea, but in, in my world, people are, aren't very good at planning for the next couple of hours, and a lot of people eat their cars. Oh, so your world is much like our world. Yes. Its wheels are made of pizzas, and its Delicious. chairs are made out of garlic bread. What, I want this car. What's the fuel? <laughs> the fuel? Root beer. Or your own farts. <laughs> We got the Ninja Turtles sponsor for our pizza car. It's another uh, multiverse podcast of mine, the Turtle Cast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking of other names you could give that. Um, Jamie's Cool But Rude. Splinter's Dojo. Turtle's Tubular Time. <laughs> <laughs> Not usually. Well, I can kind of see that. We hate tubular turtle time, of course, turtle is what time. you meant. Yeah. Yes. The We Hate Shredder. This is a Ninja Turtles reference. The podcast. <laughs> uh, the Cowabunga cast. Oh, oh yeah. shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump on over to that universe. <laughs> All right. Well, it's probably abundantly clear by now, but this week. <laughs> We are going to be talking about everything. Everywhere? All at once. That's right. (laughs) So, uh, this film was directed by the Daniels. Oh, yeah. It stars Michelle Yao, Ki-Hu Kwan, Stephanie Su, and Jamie Lee Curtis. And it is a 2022 film. Wow. Did you say James Hong? I did not mention Swords and Satire favorite James Hong, one of my favorite actors. Yeah. I should have. His, I mean, his role is important if small. Yeah. You think it was small? I guess. I guess he. The first time I watched it, I felt like I didn't remember how much he was in it, and then this more recent watch through, I guess I did realize he was on, in it quite a bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can't forget Gong Gong. And he has a big impact whenever he's on screen. Yeah, like when he runs his wheelchair into <laughs> his <laughs> granddaughter, Jojo jo- jo- Chewbacca. <laughs> Yeah, it's a big impact. Yeah. He hits her right through a wall. Well, that's well, we'll talk more about that. Well, I guess Cass has given me the indication that before I make too many more jokes about James Hong smashing his granddaughter through a wall, uh, we should probably do a quick summary of the film. <laughs> nice linear film where do we start uh there's dysfunction brewing in the wong household sounds like every family i've ever met better hold on to your breeches (laughs) it's spiced with hectic energy and disjointed communication Ooh, yes communication is a big theme in this film or the myth of that yes evelyn and waymond the parents of joy uh that's her name not uh what she is yeah uh to they, herself i mean so they own a laundromat um i'm not sure where uh it's southern california right oh maybe i guess i just felt like this film took place in southern california it's not in china no true 
Although that's where Evelyn and Wayman came from originally. And uh, Evelyn's father is visiting them, Gong Gong. Played by beloved character actor James Hong. And they're getting ready for taxes and the Chinese New Year. And it's all very stressful. I tell you what, I hate tax season. For no particular reason. But the New Year Except sounds like a real banger. True. And Joy has a girlfriend named Becky who just wants to help out. Oh, Becky's great. And Joy is anything- No notes. <laughs> yeah. Joy is anything but. <laughs> she does not feel her name. No. She has what we call in this podcast generational trauma. So uh, they go to the local IRS uh, office uh, to meet up with their agent Deirdre to try to do their yearly taxes. And everyone knows that when you go to the IRS, you are happy and everything is fine. So far, we all understand why this is a fantasy movie. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, we do? (laughs) No. The theme is already present. Ah. Well, the class theme is there, so. Yeah, yes. it's true. During this excursion, Evelyn is visited by Alpha Waymond, who comes in from another multiverse. The Alphaverse, to be specific. And it's called, they gave themselves that title because, according to them, they're the first universe to contact the others. Now, this is a detail I like, because we'd expect the Alphaverse in so many other films To be the one that we are focused on, and it's not. And I think that's good writing. Like, we're not in the universe where they discovered this weird, like, pseudo-scientific magical power to jump between multiverses. The multiverse that we start in is kind of an incidental one that we find out later is very important. Yeah. And he tells our Evelyn, the one we start with, that she is... Our Evelyn. (laughs) The chosen one, because she was absolutely mediocre and did nothing with her life. And so she has the greatest potential to do anything. By accomplishing nothing of value in her life, she has unlimited potential. (laughs) What a fucking indictment of motherhood this movie is. Where there is less of you, there is more room for God. (laughs) I guess she's not a very good mother in this universe, so it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it's sad because she wants to be, but the only way she knows how to show that she cares is by saying things that push her daughter away. (laughs) Fat shaming, culture shaming, visit shaming, just all the shamings. Queer erasure. Yes. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. She doesn't want Gong Gong to know about uh, Joy and Becky's relationship. But more on that comes. Exactly. So, uh, it turns out, if you do some kind of strange, unusual thing that you wouldn't normally do, it opens you up to being able to access another multiverse. But you also need a little Bluetooth thing for your ear. Yeah, it's true. For example, swallowing a paperweight. Oof. Yeah, that's awful. That one was brutal. I don't remember where that takes her. She learns the, um... Sign twirling. Oh, yes. yeah. That's right. That's or, when they find the sex dungeon. In another yes. one, she swipes her father's snot and makes him eat it. And <laughs> that takes her to another universe. 
She also, let's see, what else does she have to do? She has to tell Deirdre that she loves her and mean it. Yeah, that's the first jump she does. Yeah. And it- um, that takes her to a universe where she didn't go with Waymond to the U.S. She stayed with her family and she learned martial arts and became an actress. Oh, that's right. Yes. Interestingly, it did not take her to the sausage finger world. No. Where she is in love with Theodra. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. But I think that's the second one she goes to. Or the third. Um, There's a lot of jumping in this film. But so most of the film does and simultaneously does not take place in that IRS building. (laughs) (laughs) Either does or does not. No, both does and does not. I see. All at once. (laughs) Yeah. Everywhere. Oh, I see. Then, yeah, it all tracks. It always tracks. (laughs) (laughs) So she learns that they're fighting a great evil that's trying to take down the entire multiverse. And she might be the only person who can stop it. And throughout the course of the movie, she finds out that it's somebody named Jobu Tubaki. And when she meets them, it's her daughter, Joy. Dun, dun, dun! And she finds out later it was her daughter from the Alphaverse. Which makes a lot of sense. And her, the version of her from that universe is dead. And she is the one who pushed that version of her daughter to be what she is now, the monster that she is. And everybody thinks she's coming to destroy the universes and kill everything off. But really... She just wants to find somebody like her, and she thinks her mom is the person to do that, uh, so that she's not alone, and she doesn't have to face Annihilation alone, because she created the everything bagel. Well, she took everything in the universe and put it on a bagel. Because she got bored one day. Yeah, I mean, that's relatable. And um, it's because, like Evelyn learns throughout the movie, that version of Joy had learned to be able to go to any universe and so she can hop at will and it kind of fractured her mind and she jumped hard into nihilism and thinks that nothing matters. Dig it. She doesn't believe in anything, man. And she just (laughs) wants everything to stop and she wants peace for once. I mean, super relatable. I totally get Joy's motivation or Jobu Tabaki's motivation. But at the same time, she's afraid to face that alone. And she wants her mom to come with her. Yeah, they have this really strained relationship, but there is still a desire to connect that they both share. Even though, as Joy says later in the film, all they ever feel around each other is hurt. Yeah, it's true. So, at that point, Evelyn has to decide to bagel or not to bagel. (laughs) I decide that every morning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what saves her from the bagel is Waymond. Oh, sweet, sweet Waymond. And he has a great multifaceted monologue because he's actually monologuing two different monologues in two different universes at the same time. Uh, one in the original universe that we saw, not the Alphaverse. And the other is in the first universe that Evelyn went to where she's a movie star. Because, where she's basically Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, because she went to like a movie premiere and he met up with her there. And they're both looking super fit. 
And um, proper fan. Yeah. And um, he's saying in that one that him being an optimist is a choice uh, for survival, and it's the way he fights against despair. Yep. And it's actually strategic and an intelligent, conscious choice, he thinks. And that really gets to her. She never realized that before. She thought because he was kind and an optimist that he was stupid. Yeah. Because she's so pessimistic. It's actually a logical choice he makes to, yeah, fight against that deep, dark despair that nothing matters, that joy has fallen into. Hey, if nothing matters, that means that the only thing that matters is what you do. And it's very symbolic that there almost is an absence of joy because it falls into a pit of despair. No, no, Joe's in, Joe. No, no, Joy's in this movie a lot. <laughs> but eventually... What he also says in the main universe is that we need to be kind to each other, even when we're scared and confused, because, you know, that's what matters most. It matters the most when we don't know what's going on. And um, eventually that gets to Evelyn and she starts trying to fight back like he does. And that's when they actually are able to save their family. And Evelyn and Joy come back from the brink of certain destruction by Bagel. and. They decide to live a mundane life in a universe adjacent to the original that's very similar to it, but not the original one. Close enough. And they decide to ignore everything else, ignore all of their superpowers, and live a mundane life together with all the ups and downs because they realize they love each other and they'd rather spend existence together. It's a great ending. And, uh... They go do their taxes. <laughs> Did you mention when they become rocks? Oh, no, I didn't. I forgot. The most important multiverse is, of course, the one where Joy and Evelyn are two rocks with googly eyes on the top of a cliff. Yeah, it's great. Googly eyes are the glue that binds the film together. True. And there's glue on the googly eyes. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. All right, well, that was a pretty straightforward and easy-to-follow <laughs> summary. We should probably head into the Delve. Welcome to the Delve, where we venture deep into the themes, scenes, and lore of everything, everywhere, all at once. So, Cass, you wanted to talk about Wayman. You psyched me out. (laughs) Yeah, I did. He's just the best. He's just a little guy. (laughs) I fucking love Wayman. He is the greatest, one of the greatest characters in film history, I feel like. He's a beautiful soul, pure. (laughs) I just love all of the, like, different versions of him that Evelyn starts to see when she starts to appreciate who he is near the end. I mean, but even before that, like one of the first scenes in the movie is him dancing with one of their laundromat customers, just like having a good old time. Mm-hmm. And like, it's tough because in the beginning of the movie, Wayman is trying to get Evelyn to look at some paperwork, which we find out pretty much right away are divorce papers. Yeah. But he's still, like, trying. In his heart, he doesn't want to go through with this. One of his co-workers recently got a divorce because his marriage was falling apart. And Wayman doesn't want this to be the case. But he is seeing 
all these obstacles and just doesn't see another way out. They were getting a divorce, and through the process, the co-workers, they fixed their marriage. Oh, Because it got them to start talking when they hadn't been before, and Wayman wants to do the same thing with his marriage. Because... They aren't talking either. No, he keeps trying to talk, but Evelyn is distracted and discontented. So he's doing that thing where he just feels the need to disrupt to yeah. try to, like, fix it. It's definitely a misguided attempt to save the marriage. It's, it's, uh... But he's so desperate. Yeah. Like, he's willing to try anything, even the worst option. Yeah. However, he does always try. He's like a slice of life character in a sci-fi fantasy movie. Yeah. Yeah. Because even in the alternate universes we see him, he is still saying the same philosophy he says in the original universe. No, he's very consistent. Yes. I feel like for the most part, the multiverse versions of characters, the personality core is pretty similar. Yes. Yeah. Because like even movie star Evelyn is kind of this taciturn, kind of detached character. Yeah. Whereas like businessman Wayman from that same multiverse is really successful, but he hasn't lost that joy de vivre that he has. Although he does look less happy. Yeah, that's true. And that's the thing is like he kind of is able to identify that no matter how strained their relationship might be, he is happiest with Evelyn. If he doesn't realize that, then we as the audience can kind of read that on this version of him. Yeah. And he even says in another life, I would have been happy doing nothing but laundry and taxes with you yeah it's really sweet it wasn't about what they did it was about being together oh (laughs) yeah i i often feel like i feel that way you know uh it doesn't matter to me really what the people that i love around me do as long as we're together and we're doing a podcast (laughs) (laughs) in every universe yeah Exactly. Waymond is making that intentional choice to live in such a way that makes his life more pleasurable for himself and the people he cares for. He lives in a way that he can be proud of and find satisfaction, which primarily is being kind. Yeah. In that one monologue he was having that you were mentioning, uh, he's in the original universe we started in where everyone is fighting. And he is saying to everyone, I know you're all fighting because you're scared and you don't know what's going on. Yeah. But you can at least in times like that be kind to each other. And he says that's actually when it's the most important to be kind. Yeah. Because why make a bad situation worse if you can help make it better? Yeah. If things are miserable and you're only remedy to that is to try to not be miserable and to like find joy in things that's kind of the best thing you can do yeah i mean so much in our lives is out of our control it's kind of like the idea that all you have control over is your reaction to it like is yourself and if you can make a choice to take a step back and just see it from a a situation from a different perspective and even if there's not like a good way to see it if you can be like compassionate 
to yourself and to others, then maybe it'll make things more bearable. It certainly is unlikely to hurt anything. It's true. In fact, it helps in this movie because he is often the one who improves their situation when it comes to the taxes. Absolutely. Yeah. He talks to Deidre when they are at the IRS building and he gets Deidre to extend their due date to that evening. Yes. And meanwhile, Evelyn's like, oh, you're such an idiot. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. When they were fucked because Evelyn was the one handling the taxes, right? Like, she could have sent them to jail. Yeah. (laughs) And in the next universe, where it's later that night, Evelyn did not do the taxes. And Deidre shows up with the police to arrest Evelyn. Evelyn. And Waymond convinces... Uh, Deidre to give them an extra, what, week? Yeah. Just through talking and asking nicely and explaining the situation. And when he explained their marital problems and just everything they've been going through, Deidre comes out and talks to Evelyn. It's so many names. Deidre talks to Evelyn explaining, yeah, when I had these problems with my husband, I started doing crazy stuff, right? Before we split. And then they start becoming friends and they're vaping together. And it's like <laughs> the ultimate sign of friendship. Yeah. yeah. But all that happened because Wayman was like, I will just explain what we're going through. Connect with Deidre. And Deidre has been through similar experiences and starts, like you were saying, Cass, not feeling as much like she's being taken advantage of. Yeah, before she kind of, I think, seemed to come from the assumption that she is unlovable and people are, the people around her are just there going to take advantage of her good humor. And so she has to have like a wall up to protect herself against that. Well, we find out that Deirdre had this really bad relationship that seems to have colored her view of people. Yeah. Yes. And I think a big takeaway from this in this movie is just like the assumptions you make about people are often wrong while they're coming from incomplete conclusions. Yeah, and incomplete information. That's right. And like when she found out what Evelyn was going through, Deidre extended the deadline by a week. And if she didn't do that, she would have been hurting Evelyn and her family because she didn't have all the information because she made the assumption that she was being taken advantage of, right? Yeah. She thinks that Evelyn is trying to intentionally break the law, basically. Yeah. And as an IRS agent, it's her job to root that out and deal with it. I am the law. And she takes her job very seriously, as we learned from the very beginning. She's got her butt plug awards for not taking bullshit. (laughs) Which are used later. You show a butt plug in the, in the first, first act, act. You have to use that butt plug by the third act. That's right. That's right. Chekhov's butt plug. I hope they wash it. Because <laughs> uh, it's in everything. <laughs> no butts about it. But also, Deidre says... Or only butts about it. Deidre says, in the scene earlier in the film... You might just see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. Yes. Oh, great line. I can tell your entire life all the ups and downs by what you've put here, but that's not right. That's correct. She She doesn't proven wrong and gives them more time because she relates to them. Yeah. 
it, there's more going on behind the papers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's under the surface. It's just all the judgments and assumptions she made. And then when she learns that they're wrong, they become a lot closer from it. So I think that's a really good takeaway from the movie. Just be careful about yours. Yeah. Um, Wayman shows that having open communication with other people about your feelings and like just being honest about what's going on with you and not having to always have this kind of facade that to keep people out it can actually be a benefit to you and it actually starts solving a lot of the problems that they had in uh, different multiverses and especially when evelyn starts adopting that and actually talks to joy about her feelings yeah i mean the funny thing is for this wild action movie that's full of like some of the greatest fight choreography in cinema history and like just amazing action scenes and crazy surreal cinematography yeah (laughs) the solution to every problem is hey stop being assholes and actually talk to each other and be nice about it yeah be nice to each other stop being assholes communicate Mm -hmm. express your feelings because like i said earlier like this is all about generational trauma Evelyn was hurt by her family dynamic with her father. Now she feels this responsibility for him. He's like staying with them. She has passed this on to her daughter. And as much as she wants to have a relationship with her, she can't because neither one of them can just come to the other one and say like, hey, what you've done, even though you didn't intend for this, has hurt me. And I would like to move past this with you. Yeah. Also with Evelyn, like a lot of the problems for her that we see comes from her feeling like she always needs more. There's always something missing in her life. She needs to have more. Like in the Alpha universe, she finds out about the other universes and pushes her daughter, who's the most, has the most aptitude for jumping, to jump too much. And... Uh, that's what creates the monster. Right. And um, in other universes, she pushes herself. And uh, it doesn't alleviate those feelings of discontent or stop the darkness from spreading. Yeah, it, even in the world where she's like the most successful like action movie star, she is still discontent. Yeah. And it's only when she accepts that the real answer is finding love and holding on to it and being more like Waymond, I guess. And uh, we should all be more like Waymond. It's true. Uh, And like finding ways to connect with people around you, then um, you actually can find contentment in a mundane life. It's kind of like the nobility and honor that can be found in living a mundane life. It's true. Uh, I've been just speaking with, A lot of people in the spiritual community just in the last couple of months about people coming toward the end of their lives and death doulas, which are people who sit with people while they are passing into the next phase of, you know, after being alive while someone is dying. They say that almost always what people talk is about are the relationships they have or had with other people yes the moments right. they loved with someone else or the moments they wish they had had with someone else 
deathbed regrets are never like, boy, I should have like grind grinded. I should have ground a little bit harder. I should have been a slave to the grind a little bit more. It's always exclusively I should have given more time to the people I love. And I so, wish I had like pursued the things that were important to me. Also. So stick that in your yeah. rise and grind friends fucking faces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In this, Evelyn makes Jobu Tubaki by trying to push these accomplishments. Yeah. And Joy says to her mom at one point, like, why would you pick this universe where I'm not really anything when you could go to any universe where you have a more accomplished daughter, right? Yeah, it becomes this kind of self-deprecating moment. Exactly. It reminds me of the Green Knight where Sir Gowan's girlfriend says... Why do you have to look for greatness? Why, what's wrong with just goodness? And yeah. she's also saying being here with me, too. Right. Like, why do you have to go out on this quest when the things that are important are right here already? Yeah. What more do you need? Exactly. And that's what Evelyn goes through in this movie. Yeah. And same with Joy. Joy, Joy doesn't feel like she's enough because her mom told her she wasn't enough. And because Evelyn's dad, Gong Gong, told her she wasn't enough. Yeah, this movie, a big message is about generational trauma uh, for me. I I saw that as well. Um, I was thinking, you know, where did Evelyn get these ideas of what success is and what it looks like? And it came from her father and it came from his parents. And striving for these external um, definitions of success that don't fit the individual just ends up creating strife and despair and pushes people apart. When Evelyn says to her father near the end, when he's got the robot arm holding her down, um, I don't want to do to my daughter what you did to me. Right. How could you let me go so easily? He looks devastated. So he actually did care. Of course. But he didn't know how to be any other way. And it seems like he pushed her, she pushed Joy because they wanted something better for their children. But instead of supporting them and encouraging them and lifting them up, they criticized them and ridiculed them to try to push them to be better. And this is the tragedy of, I think, many real world parents. Wanting the best for your kids, I think, is totally fine. But I see it a lot with my students. It has a negative effect when you don't let kids like have some space and have some time to themselves. Like filling every moment of their lives. One of my fellow teachers uh, recently was telling our department about how she assigned her students an hour of just reflecting putting away any technology don't pick up a book just sit for an hour and just like basically meditate reflect on your life have some mindfulness and her class freaked out they did not want to spend an hour with their thoughts and they felt like that would be a wasted hour that they wouldn't be accomplishing something. Mm. Whoa, what a what a funny thing to think. I probably would have 
thought something similar back in high school. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, like, the three of us came from a very high-stress high school environment. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. But I would fucking waste time all the time. <laughs> we, we went to a rise and grind culture school. We did, yeah. yeah. But the, the And thing I work is, at like, it. <laughs> the thing is, it's like... Back to the grind. <laughs> the thing is, it's like, you would have, like, quote-unquote, wasted time with friends, though. Sure. Just by yourself with your thoughts is different. Oh, absolutely. But I'm just saying there is such a pressure from people in your life to always be doing something. Mm -hmm. Like pushing towards a goal. I feel it, too. It's why when I just want to, like, sit there and watch a TV show because I want to relax for a little bit, I feel so antsy and nervous. Yeah. Like you could be productive yeah. doing something. Yeah. And, you know, self-care is productive. I think yeah. so. You will fall apart without it, and that's not good for anything. Yeah. That's not good for anybody. It's not good at any time. It's not good <laughs> for anybody. Anything, <laughs> anywhere, at any time. At any time, exactly. Thank you. For any reason. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, mindfulness was one of the th major themes, of course. I work in a spiritual store. I see I'm surrounded by that word every day that I am there. And when they are at the point in the film where they are hashing it out, Evelyn and Joy. And Joy is saying, you could be anyone, anywhere, right? At any time. You could pick <laughs> any version of yourself or me that you wanted. Yeah. So why are you here in this universe, right? And Evelyn is saying that this universe is you is enough. And we are ourselves here. Yeah. I'm, you are enough. Exactly. I'm choosing to live in this moment and appreciate what's right in front of me and who's in my life. And that's mindfulness. Mindfulness is seeing what's right in front of you and paying attention to that. Not focusing so much on the possibilities and the complications, but what you can enjoy in the moment, presently. Focus on what you have. Focus on what you're doing in that second. Don't be thinking about like the work you need to do. Exactly. And that doesn't mean don't have goals. Yeah, or, no. or that you can't, like, desire something. <clears throat> yeah, but, at all. But it just means, like, about how you can find satisfaction and contentment in your life while you're working on your goals, you know? Yeah, yeah be aware. Yeah. Right? And, like, we were saying, trying to live up to other people's expectations and their ideas of success can lead to despair. It's the absence of joy. That's right. <laughs> A world without joy... Is a darker place. True. That's right. And now we're getting to the hu the villain. And that takes us to evil, stupid, <laughs> or misunderstood. Uh, Speaking of villains, let's talk about our patron. <laughs> nothing's more villainous than late stage capitalism. <laughs> True. Not a lot of coin flowing down from the top of that pyramid. However, if you have some coin... That you want to put towards some of your favorite podcasters. <laughs> and you don't want it just sitting around gathering dust. You want it to put, put it to something useful like art. So if you want to find a place to send those dusty coins, you can go to patreon.com slash 
swords, and satire, take a look at our membership tiers, find the one that fits your budget, and sign up to send us some of those coins every month. You're not doing anything with them anyway. They're just collecting dust. Might as well make the world a more joyful place with creative things. (laughs) That's right. For creative people. Yeah. Going through your own struggles and isolating yourself can put you to a place of sheer despair. (laughs) But you know what prevents you from isolation? Community. And what promotes community? Giving us money. (laughs) And art. (laughs) (laughs) Which you get more of by visiting our Patreon. You get access to awesome bonus episodes, some fun art that we spontaneously upload. That's how it works. And you even get to interact with the episodes that come out by voting on what movies we watch in zany little polls. Pretty good. Pretty fun. I put those together. We're recording this on voting day, and you know, if there's still a democracy by the time uh, we finish up, then you'll be able to vote on movies too. If the mo- and if there's no democracy when we're done, why not vote on movies and have some control over something in your goddamn life? <laughs> Do it quick before art is censored. <laughs> oh, God, please. I post on Twitter. I'm not looking forward to that. Everything is going to be owned by the musk eventually. <laughs> the everything musk hole. <laughs> and now back to the episode. <laughs> So anyway, like I was saying, villains. Jobu Tubaki. Jojo Tubaki. That's right. Rakakuni. You're just making up noises. It's <laughs> 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 what Evelyn says yeah, in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, you know, we've been going down the rabbit hole as the satirist crew of Elden Ring lore. <laughs> this is oh, true. Oh, yeah. That's right. Particularly Jack and I. Yes. But me tangentially, os- by osmosis. <laughs> you've, and, you've been forced into it, whether you like it or not. A lore enjoyer. Yeah. Art is in our community. That's right. And this art is Elden Ring. <laughs> One of the themes... Now, for- guys, how do you feel about eating dung? Because yes. I've got a character for you. I'm not a fan. Dung is on the everything bagel. No, True. It is, because everything's on it. That's right. Even salt. And the concept of anti-dung is on there also. Mm. Something to think about. And salt. Yes, that's right. I'd rather not. (laughs) But but in Elden... Which is where dung comes from. Yes, exactly. But in Elden Ring, there's an elder being called the Frenzied Flame, which is known for taking... Seed in the mar- in the minds of people who are gripped by despair. And people afflicted by the frenzied flame are those who have lost everything and wish for non-existence. They've lost everything everywhere. At the same time. At the, all, at, all at once. Yeah. <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> and that set of themes is brought over so well to Joy's philosophy... And in my mind, it seems so much like nihilism. Yeah. Okay. The denial of everything in saying that nothing matters. And, you know, in The Big Lebowski, they say the nihilists, they don't believe in anything. Yeah, they believe in nothing. And because of that, Joy has become 
a very destructive person. Yes. She's going around. She hurts people. Yeah, she thinks that if nothing matters, nothing that she does has any consequence. And it's it's to the point where she cannot get any catharsis, any pleasure out of anything because she is so focused and consumed with despair and the agony that she feels. That's right. She's even killed her mom in thousands of universes. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like... She's trying to look for the one that can end her suffering, I guess. That's right. So uh, the version of her mom that can become like her and find a way to look at the world that isn't nihilistic. Yeah, it's it's fascinating because she wants a more mother-like mother figure. Like, in a, like, culturally specific type of way, right? Like, when we think of motherhood, like, there's a lot of assumptions about that, that, you know, why can't somebody else fulfill that role or are these qualities of like a female bodied person but for joy's worldview she wants somebody she wants evelyn to be that person for her it's to be true. somebody who supports her and that's what's ironic about joy's mission in this she made the everything bagel and the alphaverse thinks it's to kill or completely erase the multiverse but that's not what it's for Right. It's to end her own existence. That's right. It's a method of self-harm. Yeah. The glorification of life is suffering, so non-existence is pleasurable. She says to her mom in the universe Evelyn is from originally, this is peace for both of us. She wanted to find a way where she could actually die and that is peaceful to her yeah yeah where what she's describing is non-existence not just death right you're right yeah and there isn't peace in non-existence necessarily there's just nothing right (laughs) you're not aware of feeling anything and that's what she wants that's what she wants but the paradox of it is that she doesn't want to do it alone yeah. She keeps trying to convince her mom to come True. with her. She eventually decides she will do it on her own. Yeah. She gives up. That's right. When first Evelyn is able to experience every universe in the multiverse, she understands Joy's point of view. Right away, she starts doing reckless things. Oh, I always hated this place, smashing the windows of her own laundromat. You know. Yeah ruining other people's fun yeah their dreams she's enjoying breaking things down watching the world burn because she is hurt by it yeah she doesn't see the value in anything and it isn't until she realizes through wayman mm-hmm. sweet sweet wayman the meaning in life can come from you and that's when he gives the monologue of you can choose to be kind you can choose to focus on the moment and take your victories where you can. Yeah. It's actually a strategic, logical choice you can make. And he's saying that through kindness, that's how he fights. And yeah. it's radical kindness. That's right. And so that changes, <laughs> that changes her perspective. And through her powers, she's able to start making positive changes to the people around her. And we see that his 
form of radical kindness works over and over again in all the multiverses. Yeah. I mean, most of them. Women basically never fails. He does get, you know, got in at least one Well, the women of the Alphaverse is kind of unlike the others. Yeah. He's not quite as... uh, He's lived through so many traumatic events, it seems to have kind of broke him a bit. He does, like, have the drive to find Evelyn and, like, help her. He is not without hope. He's never without hope. He just th- he just doesn't know a way to fix this. Yeah. Oh, he actually does. There's a glimpse of him being himself when he actually jumps into Evelyn's body somehow and helps them fight off Gong Gong, who's trying to kill Joy. Right. I guess there's also the factor that, like, while Wayman's philosophy is sound i think according to the movie it is not enough on its own to pull joy out of this reverie out of this ennui really that she's experiencing and that i think is actually a good representation of how mental illness tends to work like you can't just fix somebody by telling them to be happy like the movie does not want to give that illusion because Wayman's philosophy is sound, but you have to internalize it yourself. And I like that the movie doesn't just go like, oh, Wayman is the solution to Joy's depression by just being happy. Like, that's not going to work. There has to be scaffolding. You have to establish a foundation for somebody to deal with their mental illness. The steps they go through are realizing that being kind is important accepting that Joy needs to have her own autonomy to make her own decisions about her life and fuck up, letting go and letting her have the freedom to do that, and then Evelyn communicating that she loves Joy for who, and accepts her for who she is and that she's enough, kind of being the final uh, scaffold that they needed. That's right. When Waymond gives Evelyn his philosophy and she starts implementing it joy still doesn't accept and says you gotta let me go yeah and evelyn is letting her go into the bagel yeah and but she pulls her back out with the whole family yeah the whole family helps pull joy back out and a big part of the final confrontation between evelyn and joy is evelyn acknowledging what she did to push a gap in between them And then also standing up for herself. Yeah. She's saying that blame isn't necessarily all at her feet and blame shouldn't be important in this interaction at all. Right. There's a lot of factors. Yeah. uh, The removal of blame is a big thing in this movie uh, as well, I think. Because Evelyn voices like her struggles with their relationship as well. But keeps coming back to, and I choose to be here with you. And it all comes from that I care. And Joy comes back with, all we get in this life that you're choosing to stay in are a few moments where anything makes sense and we're happy and everything else kind of sucks. And that's when in the other universe, she's also disappearing into the bagel. Yeah. And then when Evelyn says, then I will cherish those moments. I will stay here for those moments. 
because they matter. That is what finally gets through to Joy. Yes. Yeah, but it's. I think the the key to this and, and why uh, this movie the <laughs> message works is that they both have to come to this realization. They both have to change and see each other's perspective. It's not yeah. just a one way street. No. And actually, that's when Joy reaches back out of the bagel and decides to come back. And it is her choice. Mm-hmm. That's the other key to this. Is like she is choosing between oblivion and pain and suffering. But she's she's <laughs> choosing to like trust her mother. Yeah. In this case, because she's seeing an actual change taking place in Evelyn. Right. That's right. But the big arc for Joy, I think, is she was valuing non-existence. But what she really wanted was just that ability to cherish what she holds dear. And she felt helpless in making that work. So yeah. she thought, since there's nothing I can do, I shouldn't exist. Right. Well, she basically felt before, like, her entire existence wasn't good enough for her mom. Everything she did was wrong. And, and that was the message Evelyn was sending. It is. And she acknowledges that at the end, like Jack was saying. And... She says that she was pushing her because all those qualities were in herself. And she was trying to push her not to become her mom. Yeah. And she ended up just like hurting her. And she saw that eventually. I think a lot of us can relate to how Joy feels in this film. Absolutely. And through very similar practices that Evelyn learns in this movie, like, talking to people, community, connections, and just like these mindful practices and finding joy in your personal way of being and your uniqueness is just great. Really great advice. Yeah, the key for Evelyn is that she has to learn to slough off the like cultural pressures that she has been burdened with. And through this journey and learning Wayman's way of fighting, she realizes that you can create these moments to cherish for yourself. You don't have to wait for them to happen. He constantly is trying to do that for himself and his family. Like, even in silly little ways where he, like, was listening to a song and he, like, they have a bell on their counter for their customers. And he's like, hey, what song is this? And he starts playing it on the bell. With oh, it's great. And it's just, like, these silly little moments where... It's perfect. Wayman lives life. Yeah, you break up the monotony of the mundane life and you create like an interesting moment or something that will bring you out of a dark mood or whatever. Yeah, if everything sucks, then just do things that don't suck. So we see, <laughs> we see yeah. Evelyn. That sounded uh, flippant or, or dismissive. That wasn't what I was going for. It's like Wayman is such a role model because he can find joy happiness in moments yeah and we see evelyn emulating that and to make a change you just have to start doing something different and so she does that at the end when they're going into the irs building and they're waiting for the elevator and for people to pee she uh pulls him aside before he can go pee and (laughs) she Brings him close, hugs him, and leans in for a kiss. And then he also leans in and they have a sweet moment where they show affection for each other. And he's a little taken aback at first. It seems like it had been a long time since she showed affection for him. He's getting used to it. 
And then they both are leaning into it and they both seem happier for it. Yes. And they she helped create a nice, beautiful moment there where there wasn't one. There's hope yeah. for them. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to growth journeys like this, in actuality, what they went through in this movie, in real life, you're probably going to have to go through a similar emotional journey more than once. Yeah. You're going to go through cycles like this, but you can develop habits that make you come out on top. Yeah, it's like you'll come to these epiphanies, you'll make a change, you'll kind of dive back into the cycle of your life and you might temporarily forget it or you're kind of internalizing it in a different way. And then you'll come back out again, like you're saying, Jack, and uh, you'll remember it again and it'll like could create another meaningful change in that moment. It's like a muscle that you have to work out. Yeah. It's true. And when it comes to the theme of connecting to others, communicating with people to give you a new perspective, like with Evelyn and Wayman, I've experienced that recently with therapy and counseling. It's like magical. Yeah. (laughs) If you can find a counselor you really connect with, even today... I was explaining something I've been thinking about for a couple of weeks and not being able to figure out how to get past it. In one sentence, they gave me a new perspective that immediately fixed my (laughs) my everything. And that won't happen for everybody in every problem, but sometimes you just find that thing that you needed, that perspective. It's true, but it's a tool. Yeah. And if you find something that works or if you have someone that you feel really comfortable you can confide in. The problem became a lot easier for me to address once I got it out there and spoke to someone about it. That's great. So, highly recommend. Evelyn got that benefit. I got that benefit. Ditto. Guys, I feel like I could talk about this movie, like, so much longer, but I think it's probably time to head into the smithy. Welcome to Can You Roleplay? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Evelyn's a warlock, obviously. She's a warlock with a pact with herself from other realities. Jack, I'm... I'm <laughs> Jack's mind is shattered right Self-packed warlock? <laughs> I'm dumb. I just got how you're doing this as like the alternate realities of our other shows and other things we've done. You did it. You did it, <laughs> I yes. finally realized. Wait, what? Hell yeah. I came on board. I'm missing Alternate realities where we keep up those segments. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to the Smithy, where we each forge a rating for this movie after we share an epic moment or feature from the film. I'm going to use the dungeon manager's privilege to go first, which I rarely do, because I know somebody else is going to steal my epic moment I or feature. <laughs> nice. And after I do that, I'll give you my rating from 1 to 10 bagels. Oh, boy. My epic feature of this movie is Waymond. Of course. Nice. I absolutely adore this character. I know that just being positive is not a solution to every problem for every person. I think that Waymond is an incredible aspirational character. Yeah. I think that he is one of the great characters of cinema. Yes. Because he is so fun without losing the gravity of the character. He 
is still serious, even though he is silly. Mm-hmm. He is capable of such a range. The, the actor is capable of portraying so many persona. It's true. I was so impressed with the range of emotions he could show on his face, and I was entranced by it. Yeah. And then, like, there's amazing action scenes where he's fighting with a fanny pack. There's dramatic moments. There's, like, (laughs) just fun moments, like in the beginning, where he's dancing with the customer at the laundromat. Wayman is the best of us. (laughs) And I just want to give credit to that. And also mention the fact how the actor who portrays him, Ki-Hu Kwan, left Hollywood yeah. for decades because of not being able to find anything other than racist, stereotypical roles and comes back for a movie where he, like, to me, defines, like, a generation of film Yeah, in and this role. He's able to do so much with the character and really show off his capabilities and it's kind of meta too yeah it is because um he made a choice it wasn't much of a choice but he he still was like exercising his agency to not be put into this box and um he makes the choice as the character to be kind and find the joy in any situation that he could and like i said that's not a solution to everything at everywhere all at once no sometimes there are problems that are not going to be able to be solved by just being positive or just being kind although it's not positive right like he's again he's capable of being serious but his instinct to be nice to people being nice and kind doesn't mean you can't be serious yeah and that or that you don't have a limit or that you're always being optimistic yeah it's not like a destination you get to and you're like, oh, no, I'm positive. It's not a solution to all things. Yeah. It's just a tool to use while you're going through life. Yeah. And like you were saying, it's something, it's an ideal to strive for. Absolutely. It's not always going to be possible. So with all that being said, I am going to give this movie 10 out of 10 bagels. Yeah. Yes. It's everything. This film is absolutely incredible. I would eat an everything bagel if I could. I'd like one right now. Mm. It has dung on it. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and shit. It does. Isn't that the same thing? And pee. It has every kind of poo-poo and pee-pee there is. <laughs> wow. Even kinds not from our universe. Yeah. True. Um, this is the second time I've seen the movie. Cass and I saw it in the theater. I was excited about this film from the first time I saw a trailer for it. It did not disappoint. If anything, the trailer doesn't do it justice. Because it is so hard to see the incredible emotional depth that the film provides. Yeah. Yes, it is an absolutely unhinged movie where people jump on butt plugs to empower themselves where somebody fights with dildos, (laughs) where people explode into confetti. Yeah. And maybe that's not everybody's cup of tea. It is absolutely my cup of tea, because it's also a movie that can take you on an emotional journey and tell a story about generational trauma, about love and loss and pain, and where I can truly laugh, cry, 
and like be excited by awesome kung fu. Yeah. yeah. Throughout the runtime. It kind of is a movie that has everything everywhere spaced out over about two hours and 20 minutes. It's not all at once. That'd be too much. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. 10 out of 10 bagels. Nice. Awesome. I think it deserves it. What about you, Jack? What's your epic moment or feature and then your rating from 1 out of 10 everything bagels? I think I really like... How am I going to say this? I think what is epic is the way this movie acknowledges how it can be okay to not be okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think I know what you're saying. For example, when Evelyn and Joy are rocks. For One the, of the first best time... They are saying, like, oh, isn't this nice? Yeah. Because they get a break from everything. Yeah, they've just been fighting, right? Yeah. Yeah. And now their reality is simple. All you have to do is be a rock. Just sit there, and it's complete stillness. Sometimes that's what I want. And that's not the same as non-existence. That's not the everything bagel. Right. It's a moment of just peaceful, tranquil being. That hour of not doing anything that your students, that students were told to do, right? And that's fine. Taking a break from your life, that's okay. And I think that's really great. The way she shared that with her mom. I really like the way Evelyn and Joy, what Joy does is she wanted to find the Evelyn that could become like her so she could try and find a way out of the nihilistic viewpoint she had. She says, I wanted you to become like me so you could try and look at the multiverse and see something else. Yeah, I thought you might find another way out. And she does. They do find a way together. And I think it is so great the way they show that Joy has, like, in a way lost it all, right? But she gets it back through sharing her feelings with someone else. And her mom feels those same feelings back. And they grow out of that bad place together. And a lot of times, you know, of course, talking to someone going through the same thing as you is very healing. Yeah. Uh, Like, I've heard the common sentiment all the time. Like, oh, I have these feelings, but I don't want to burden other people by putting this on them. Mm-hmm. And recently, I was having some really hard feelings, really hard times, feeling like joy. And when I shared them with one of my friends, they felt comfortable enough to share those feelings back. That they had been experiencing many of the same thoughts and have effectively never shared them with anybody. And now we're closer than ever. That's great. And so maybe when you're hanging out with a bunch of friends, having a good time, that's not the time to be like, I experienced despair, right? (laughs) That's the best time to do it. But getting those moments out there, people can relate to them. Absolutely. And that togetherness can help you come out of it. So showing that journey of not being okay together can improve things for everybody. I think that is so epic. Though just the way mental health is shown in this, I think it's fantastic. I agree. So, that's epic. And when I look at the movie as a whole, it's a masterpiece. What did we rate this with? Uh, Bagels. Everything bagels. Yeah. uh, 10 out of 10 everything bagels. The sci-fi fantasy parts of this film are just a fun way to show parts of the human experience. Yeah. And 
this movie is never going to get old nope. for me. Uh, in in my mind, it's very similar to Avatar: The Last Airbender. Whereas, I watch this, and it is a fun way to show me myself and everyone else. This is like humanity in a fun piece of art. No matter and, how bad things can be, there's there's hope out there. Exactly, and it is hard at times, but leaves you hopeful. And so, for the for this masterpiece, yeah, ten out of ten. Uh, I think everyone could watch this. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. But what about you, Cass? What is your epic moment and or feature or rating out of 10 everything bagels? Even well, and. Yeah. I will tell you. So my epic moment is when Evelyn and Joy are talking to each other near the end outside of the laundromat after the... Uh, Chinese New Year party was just uh, ruined. <laughs> By Evelyn. Yeah. Um, In more ways than one. It's my party. I'll ruin it if I want to. Evelyn tells Joy that she is enough as she is. And it's what she needed to hear when she was younger from her father and never got. She was looking for those external sources of validation and she told her father, like, finally. I'm proud of me. And that's when she was able to show compassion for her daughter. Is when she never felt inadequate herself. And she could accept her daughter with all of her flaws and for everything that's good about her too. And just say, you're enough as you are. You don't have to accomplish anything in your life to be deserving of that love. Doesn't mean that you can't have goals like we were saying before, but you are worthy of love in and of yourself. And I I like that. I really like that message. And I love how that brings them together. And Joey is just kind of like, well, are we still going to do the party or what's going to happen? And Evelyn just says, nothing matters. We can do whatever we want. That's pretty great. And... I love that moment. It makes me cry every time I see it. I always cry in this movie. Yeah. Rightfully so. Many yeah. different times. Yeah. Um, I'm crying right now, but I'm trying to hold it back. <laughs> Here's one for the satirists. <laughs> when she fights that guy with the dildos, makes me cry every time. <laughs> um, I love that moment because it reminds me of my mom. Mm-hmm. and Jack and my mom and uh we lost her earlier this year right around when this movie came out yeah it's been a really tough year it's been really hard to deal with that but I see her in small moments like that and I can feel connected to her still and uh I feel hot and sweaty talking about this, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, we're all sweaty. It's something that we kind of have been dancing around, not talking about on the show. And I just wanted to have it out there. And that's all we have to say. <laughs> I remember when we went to see this movie in the theater, and you and I were sitting there like right, maybe like a month after your mom passed, maybe not even that. And, uh, I was just like, wow, this is probably really heavy for Cass to be going through right now. It was. I was basically bawling in the theater. 
Um, and that's okay. But yeah, it reminded me of something our mom would have said. Yeah. And um, also, she would have loved this fucking movie. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> she would have totally. Yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a great moment, and um, it's things like that that help me still feel connected to her. And so I'll give this a 10 out of 10 everything bagels as well. Um, it's a masterpiece for sure. And I maybe not everybody would see it that way, but well, people can be I wrong think all they it want. contains, yeah. <laughs> I think it contains so much and it's silly serious, just like all of us. And how can I not love it? True. And I love all of you. And we love you <laughs> and each other. Everyone. Everywhere. <laughs> All at once. Well, Cass, what are we going to be talking about next time? We're going to be talking about the secret world of Arietti. Ooh. Yeah, I'm looking ah. forward to that. <laughs> Haven't seen that movie. That's another movie we saw in the theater together. Yeah. It's fun. It's kind of like Thumbelina, but better. As far as I remember, it's been a while, but as far as I remember, Arietti isn't forced to try to marry a toad and then escape uh that's such a relatable moment though yeah i love toads or not even a toad a mole that's right uh. yeah uh, i i don't know if i care for that phrasing not even a toad a mole. <laughs> <laughs> very judgmental in the meantime if you want more swords and satire you can follow us on social media at swords and satire on facebook instagram and what's left of twitter if you do that, you can keep up with our memes, check out what we're up to, and let us know what you think about the show. See the latest meme of our meme lord, Jamie. Because Jamie makes them all. Jamie Memington. <laughs> Jamie Meme Maker. That is my uh, Lord of the Rings name. Meme Lord. That's right. And if you want even more fun stuff that we put out there, you can also, like we said, visit us on our Patreon. Yeah. That we got tons of heckin' stuff on there. Lots of fun, creative things we do. It's accurate. However, it costs a few coins. And if you don't have those coins to share with us, another great way you can support the show is to share it with other people. Yeah. Like we said. The people you love. Exactly. Like we said, art builds community and it also deepens community. So, what's the best way to experience one of your favorite podcasts than with your favorite people? Do it. Right <laughs> Get now. Get on it. <laughs> Quit your job if you're listening to this at work. There's more important things. We barely even <laughs> talked about class. I think we mentioned late stage capitalism. I think we yeah, did. we did. We didn't talk so much about the fact that they're like having to go to the IRS and like deal with this bullshit system that we have. I'm sure another group of essayists has mentioned the immigrant experience. Probably. And just by the way, if you if there was a lot of interference on the mic, I just want to mention that it's because our cat is cleaning her butthole and kicking the mic. Does she have her butthole at the end of her toes? It was a moment ago. Ah, they're both on the everything bagel. True. <laughs> well, until next time... Hail Crom!
All right, the episode's over.